welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. And I'm Chad. And this week we're missing Eli. He decided that, you know, he wanted to actually make money and work jobs and... Boo. Bah humbug. You know, we decided to have fun and do a podcast. So his loss, our gain, or loss, I don't know. Before we get on to this week's topic, I have some business to cover. Like what? Like we have some iTunes reviews <gasps> that I thought I would share. Okay. Um, I know most podcasts only share their five-star reviews. I'm going to actually share our three-star review that we got. Just because I have something to say about it. How dare them. Exactly. Right? They All right. to each their own opinion. Nah, whatever. They don't have to listen to us. If they're going to be... <laughs> if they're going to only rate us three stars... Actually, three stars is not bad. But... <laughs> well, <laughs> All right. What, what did they say? Well, the first review we have um, is by S. McDev, I'm going to assume. These guys combine some amazing research and education while sprinkling in just the right amount of humor. I do have to admit, I have a man crush on Chad. Did I just say that out loud? (laughs) Oh, shucks. (laughs) And then our next five-star review is from Holesberline 405 I think we know who that is. And it reads, this is a great podcast. Lots of information with a slight slight hint of humor. Sound quality is... Isn't the greatest on earlier episodes, but just stay with it. It only gets better. That's right, too. I mean, our first few episodes, we, well, one didn't have the right equipment, didn't know what we were doing, so. Well, we were sharing mics, and we had absolutely no idea what we were doing, and we have learned, and we improve. I think we improve a little bit each episode. Yep. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, And then with that, I'm going to move on to our three-star review. And this is from Rai75. Actually, they, they compliment us. They say, good show. But the guys talk low, and then Amy blows out your eardrums. God forbid it if she laughs. Dave and Chad sound like they're in a, the next room, and Amy sounds like if she were any closer to the mic, she would be ingesting it. I hate to do it, but I have to move on. I have a different colored mic because I often ingest. <laughs> if only they knew how close I get to the mic sometimes when we're just goofing off. Oh, they off. can tell. <laughs> we come from a family with booming voices. We do. And so sometimes it's beyond our control to on how loud we are. Like we said with the last one, I mean, our first few episodes, me and Dave are sharing a microphone, so we're like leaning back and talking into it yeah. in the back, and you we, can hear our we, voices go in and out. And oh, absolutely. We head-butted each other a couple times, yeah. too. <laughs> the, the funniest thing about this to me is, like, I, like, our whole family has loud, booming voices, and that's just a trait that our family has. We get together, we're loud. Um, I am probably the most quiet in our family. And I have never in my life been told that I was, like, too loud. <laughs> like, everybody's always telling me to speak up. So I find that funny that they're like, Amy's so loud. It's, it's all because of the equipment and the lack thereof at the time. But yeah, I do get excited. When I get excited, I get loud. 
Well, fem- female voices also carry more through in in a recording than. It's because we're better. I mean, uh, no. <laughs> and that'll be today's episode. We have a lot of five star ratings, though, so that's pretty awesome. Thank you, guys. Continue with the reviews. Constructive criticism is fine. Three stars really is not that bad of a review. So we had we were talking about this the other day. I was like. When I go to buy things, I mean, I look at between three-star and five-star reviews anyway, so... Yeah. And we had another review earlier on CastBox saying about the same thing, and them I could respond to, and I just said, hey, I know our sound quality sucks in the beginning. If you jump ahead to episodes like 12 and go up from 12, sound quality is much better. That's when we got three mics. That's when we got... The mixer, board. the mixer board. That's when we, we started figuring things out. So it took us 12 weeks to get there, but we got there. <laughs> and it took us some time to save up the money to buy the equipment. But with all that said, again, thank you guys for reviewing and writing us. Um, go on to your favorite podcast app or wherever you get us. Leave us a comment. Um, if your app that you use doesn't have a place for a comment, if you want to email us, or go on to Facebook and because you can rate and review you can review us on Facebook too. We've got a bunch of five stars on Facebook. Um, go for it. We like to hear from our listeners. It likes it. It keeps us engaged with you, so we can we can improve ourselves because that's what it's about is getting better. And so let us know. So now I'm going to move on to what our topic is this week. This week, we are actually looking into something that isn't paranormal anymore. Come one, come all, come see the lion boy, the giant woman. But back in its time, it was very much a paranormal type setting. Um, So this week, we're digging into circus freak shows. Circus, carnival, dime store, or dime museum freak shows. The classic freak show is an exhibition of biological rarities, body modification, special abilities and talents, and amputation. Basically, people who were different were different were put on display for people to come and look at, listen to. Some of them would tell stories about how they got the way that they were, how they did their day-to-day life, things of that nature. Some of them had acts. Some of them just stood there. But it is the the freak show. And Chad and I, this is close to our hearts. Because we is folk, circus folk. We is circus folk. Our great-grandfather had a circus. Our grandfather performed in the circus, and he taught us... Stilt walking. Stilt walking. I can juggle. um, Magic tricks. All types of stuff like that. Um, So, yes. We are circus folk. And say, now I could be the dog man. (laughs) I could be the bearded lady. No. (laughs) (laughs) I can give you some of the hair off me. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just shave Dave's beard and just attach it to mine. I don't think I can handle a beard. It gets too hot. I don't know how y'all do that around here. I don't know how y'all do that around here. <laughs> In Oklahoma Corner. 
But yeah, um, our grandfather Fritz had a, he was the ringmaster of the Sooner Circus here in Norman, um, Oklahoma City area. And they started out going to children's hospitals and things like that and performing. And then they started traveling a little bit more. But they had different acts, stilts, tightrope, clowns, animal acts. In fact, there is a picture from the circus that I absolutely love. And I told, I, I, I want this picture blown up and I want it actually as a piece of artwork in our house somewhere. But they had a bull that they had trained to jump through a hoop. And so there is a picture, like an action shot of the bull jumping through the hoop. And it looks amazing. And I love that picture. It's like my favorite picture of all the, all the circus pictures. It's my favorite. Anybody from Oklahoma, it was in Oklahoma around the 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, I know a lot of people who have talked about the Sooner Circus that remember it. Uh, and there was even a TV show. There was a clown. Ho-Ho the Clown had a TV show on KOCO, which is our Channel 5, our ABC affiliate here. And um, He got his start in our family circus. Yeah, he actually started in the family circus. And so... And our, I mean, our our great grandfather was a very talented man. He also was a puppeteer and worked with Jim Henson. He was, was an sculptor. artist, a sculptor, a puppet. Yeah, I said puppeteer. Uh, <laughs> now he was the ringmaster of this correct. circus, correct? And our mother actually has his ringmaster's costume at her house, and then he she has one of the clown costumes as well. Um, his top hat, his cane is somewhere. I don't know who has his cane. That's why, actually, one of the reasons why this topic popped into my head is something we should cover because it's close to home. <laughs> because we belong in one. <laughs> Let's get into the side shows. The freak shows. Yeah, we're going to move on into, well, I guess the history of the freak show and the side show and the circus. Well, circuses have kind of been a part yeah. of a thing since about the 1840s. Well, um, actually, I've discovered then, back even before then. About okay. twenty four hundred years before, twenty four hundred years before Christ, um, they found artwork that depicted bull leaping, and then you're full of bull leaping. <laughs> What's bull leaping? Where they would like pommel vault over bulls and things of that nature. Oh, well, that sounds really sounds dangerous. like something rednecks do on a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go bull leaping, Jim? <laughs> God damn, you not hold my beer once this. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like something you, you have to be drunk to do. Like leapfrog over a bull. Watch for the horns! <laughs> but no, um, and then ancient Egyptians, they found where they were actually, you know, entertained by acrobats and jugglers and things of that nature. Then you had the the Roman Circus Maximus um, the gladiators, the battling of the animals, the menagerie of animals that they would parade around in the coliseums, things of that nature. So that's actually the oh yeah they they used to do a lot of lot of acts with the gladiators. I mean, it wasn't always just fighting in combat. You know, sometimes they might just bring somebody out there to with like a rope, and they got to try to tie up as many people as they can, or or something. Just just weird off the wall stuff. It wasn't always. Blood and carnage and mayhem. Most well, a lot of, of times, we would comedy. also have them like show off. Like they would be telling a story from the history, and 
reenacting it, but not actually killing anything. It would just be yeah, reenacting. Yeah. It's like a theater kind of thing as well. Yeah, and that's what a lot of the circus is. It's kind of a theater. It's all performance. Yeah, it's a performance. Yeah. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Um, now, the first modern circuses, yeah, that was around 1880. Well, it actually all started with like dime museums. Yes, dime museums. And P.T. Barnum pretty much established the criteria for the dime museums. And in the dime museums, that's where you had your bearded ladies and your, um, what? He had Tom Tom Thumb, which was a little person. Little person that stopped growing at fifteen months old, and he used to dress him up like. Uh, he, he crowned him a general. And yeah, he was the world's smallest general. Yeah, and they had a bunch of, kind of acts. Also, I mean, not only did they have people and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it originally this originally started as just kind of like a museum. They had wax figures and. Uh, some real animals, a lot of stuffed animals and skeletons and all that stuff. And that's how it started. And then P.T. Barnum got the idea of, let's try bringing in live performances and charging people to see that. And that's kind of where it started growing from there. And he, he was bringing in, they said, on like a slow day, $500 a day. Yeah. And we're that's talking really in 1880... Or 1841 is when he bought the American Museum. So in the 1840s, $500 a day is a lot of money. A lot of That's, money. That's um, 5,000 dimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you I mean, said it was a dime a show. Yeah. So um, that's 5,000 people that I would mean, go to the there, show. There's a statistic that within the first five years, he had as many visitors as there were people in the world. Yeah, I believe it. Like that, that statistics of how many people came in that place was the same amount of the pop world's population at the time. At and this, no places reached that. Even Walt Disney World didn't reach that. Right. Yeah. I mean, at this time, people were really fascinated with this bizarre stuff. This is when people started getting into spiritualism. Yes. And I'm, seances. And I mean, not just here in America, but also over in Europe. Well, I think what a lot of it was, too, is... The museum would open at dawn so that farmers that had come in could go and see the show or see the shows and stuff before they had to go back out to the field. So, like, he catered a lot to just the working class. And when you're somebody who's working, you know, sun up to sun down every day, you got it. so it's, it's nice to take a break and enjoy something entertaining. And see, while and this is uh, when I mean when he started doing this, I mean this was like the height of the industrial revolution, and so I mean there were a lot of leisure times for the people who lived in the city, and what better way than to go spend your time than oh I'll go pay a dime and spend forty five minutes to an hour and watch these freaks or these these shows, and then they would just go to so people would go in watch the shows, and then you know what go out and speak to their friends and stuff. Um, I have to say, with P.T. Barnum, he was the first person to understand advertising. Yes. he. They, I, in one of the books that I have that I was reading, they actually call him the father of modern-day advertising because he knew how to draw a crowd. He put up posters. His biggest thing was word of mouth, so he would actually hire people to go around and pretend like, oh, my God, I went to the, the museum, and, oh, they had this 
bearded lady and she could sing and oh, it was amazing and just get them to get other people interested and get them to come in. He would always have different ways of bringing people in. He was really smart at finding ways to, or I think was, there was a quote that was, he knew the American public better than they knew themselves. So he knew how to get them to come in. Now, one thing that he was really well known for was being a fraud. And most of his acts were fraudulent or embellished a little. But I don't know. I mean, at the same time, that's what people were paying for. You know, it's it's like, look at our society now. Look how much money we pay to watch movies. Yeah. Look how much which thought we put into, like, conspiracy theory mm-hmm. or, or cryptids or... Well, he he said he um he was it was not his intention to deceive the public. It was his intention to engage the public. Yeah, he was an entertainer. And, yeah, and that's exactly what he did. I mean, one of his most famous oddities, I think, was the Fiji mermaid. Yeah, he was the first one to have the Fiji mermaid and show it on, have it on display. And literally, all it was was a half top half of a monkey sewn to a fish, and um, actually. I I had heard that the Fiji mermaid burned down when the museum burned down, but actually, I think his name is Bobby Ryan, and Coney Island actually has the original, original Fiji mermaid. Well, and I know it's very cool. I know it's been studied too. Like it went mm-hmm. to a university and they studied it to to de- determine what it was. Now I heard that on a lot of his advertisements, he would write, "It's up to the up to the spectator to decide what's real and what isn't." Yeah, like a Ripley's Believe It or Not type yeah. thing. Well, his like his actual first ever sideshow or living act was actually I want to say her name was Joyce Pfeiffer or something like that. Um, they she, they claimed that she was 161 years old and was the nurse to George Washington, um, and she would sit there and tell stories of her upcoming and her raising George Washington as a little kid and. All this, you know, crazy stories and stuff like that. And when she died after the examiner, they found out she was only eighty-four years old. But uh, P.T. Barn goes, "Well, people believe she's one hundred and sixty-one, so she's one hundred and sixty-one." Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard also that he sold tickets to her autopsy. I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, they he charged uh, fifty cents. So I mean, he he knew from the get-go how it was going to turn oh, out. Yeah. And he was just like, you know, I mean, and he was in, just counting his dimes. He was a genius businessman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's one of those things that the people who loved him loved him. The people who despised him despised him. It reminds me yeah. of someone. <laughs> um, but uh, it's crazy to think about the stuff he was going through. And at the time, I mean, he was one thing that's always been an issue when it comes to sideshows and freak shows and whatever you want to call them um, is that for these people who were in it, like these people weren't slaves into it. Yeah. They were paid generously. Yeah. And for, I mean, for a lot of these people, he was giving them the only shot they had at a normal life. Oh yeah. Or a normal-ish life and having a normal job or Um, having a job. Tom Thumb. Tom Thumb that I was talking about when he started, he is actually, he was a distance cousin of, Barnum. And when he started, he was four years old. Now, Barnum sold him as a 12-year-old. Yeah. And um, they traveled to Europe. He met Queen Victoria. Queen Victoria just loved him. 
Um, he could sing. He could dance. Yeah, they, like Barnum trained him up really well. And well, Barnum at, also didn't show him as a midget. Yeah, because the way Tom Thumb was actually developed, he was developed. Uh, what's the word here? Proportionally, proportionally to his body. So he was just they called him the smallest man. Yeah, because he was yeah. he didn't have a weird walk or anything because of the way he was born. He was just a small person. Now, he ended up retiring, and he got married. He had a kid, but it wasn't actually their kid. They borrowed the kid for photos because it was a big money give. Like, because he oh, also yeah. married another little person. Yeah, and. So when they had a baby, you know, Barnum took it, or they didn't actually have a baby, but Barnum, they, they took advantage of the situation and. Oh, because the legend's always better yeah, than the real story. Exactly. Um, but he retired one of the richest men in New York. He lived yeah. in a mansion, had yachts, had horses, had everything, lived a fine life. Most people at this time who were born with any kind of deformity or dwarfism or anything like that, spent their entire lives in mental institutions. Or on the street. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, in that sense, P.T. Barman, he was a philanthropist. Yeah. Now, not everybody made that kind of money, but it was all based off of how much you brought in. So the better performer you are, the more money you brought into the museum, the more money you made. And that's kind of how... It works today. I mean, an actor who is well-known and is going to bring people to the theater is going to make millions per movie. Whereas maybe your your character actor that just plays a background character that doesn't really have a name, it doesn't really bring... Their yeah. name doesn't bring anybody in, is only going to make... A hundred thousand, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> it's all like yeah, to be yeah. about it's, how much money you you can, you can contribute is how much money you're going to make back. No, yeah. so I mean, it <clears throat> makes logical sense. Now, so you had okay, you had your your dime museums. Also, at that time, circuses were becoming a a big deal. You had your carnivals, things of that nature, and these sideshows that started popping up along with them. Not just his, but I mean, other people. Yeah, started seeing the money you could make doing this so they started bringing in these freaks as you can you so call uh, people call them <clears throat> into it and th- that's where it started coming up with a lot more fake things than and yes pt barnum had some stretch of the truth there but then as it got more popular and things that are going on is when it really started people started faking things and i mean like pt barnum had you know siamese twins and Dogman and tallest man, tallest woman, strong man, tattooed man, blockface, pinheads, all these different things. And then later on, as it things started to evolve, people started making their own and just having identical twins put together in a dress to make it look like Siamese twins. And you remember the movie Little Rascals that mm-hmm. came out in the nineties, and they had the the man eating. They're the six foot man eating, eating chicken. chicken, and it was like one of them standing on a ladder eating a bucket of chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, with these, um, you know, the human, the human oddities, you know, they were people with birth defects or or people who acquired afflictions later in life. So they would come out on stage, and and they would usually have an act that went along with it. 
Now, some of them, it was just a demonstration of how they persevered despite their disability. You know, armless performers would uh, write with their feet or roll and smoke cigarettes with them. You know, legless performers would show how they walk on their hands. They would bestow knowledge to their audience about their uh, maladies. And really, these freaks, as they became known to be called, were true statements of the spirit's ability of overcoming any obstacle. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of these people, if they, at this time, if you were born with a defect, you were either killed mm-hmm. or you were just thrown away. Yeah. And so for some of these people, this was the only way they could make a living. And then he also made them feel like a lot of them, a lot of the interviews with circus performers and stuff is, they say they're, they're a family. They, you know, they feel... Accepted uh, when they do these shows and stuff. When you're different and you find it's hard to fit in anywhere. So these people were just fitting in together. You know, it would be where if we walked into the group, we would be the odd ones. Well, it was it was the true definition of diversity. Yeah. And you had all races. I mean, you had what? Well, actually, a lot of sideshows that started out with literally just different people of races. You yeah. had the uh, albinos, which were literally just African-American albinos, but they would play on a story and everything. You had Chinese people that, just because they looked different, they were considered freaks. And so they were, so it was actually kind of racist at the beginning of oh, all this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but there's definitely a grew into it. Um, and on that note, like, Dave and I were talking about this the other day. It's like, this couldn't like the a lot of the earlier sideshows couldn't exist today because of how racist they were, things of that nature. Yeah. But, well, I mean, they can't even exist nowadays because of the laws put in place. Yeah, but it's one of those things you can't judge the people of the time based off of today's standards. Yeah. And it was the norm then. Whereas it's, you know, frowned upon now. At that time, it was the norm. So that's why it was so popular. Because it was, not that it was right, yeah, but I it mean, was normal. We, we could sit here and act like we're better than the people 100 years ago. Or we can just look at it as we've progressed and we've grown. And pat ourselves in the back. and Yeah. You know. I think it was in the 1940s that they were actually... Outlawed. Um, no, it was it was long after that. It was like almost the eighties. Oh. Um, the so American they were um, really popular during the forties and the, the, okay, in so between the the wars they were very popular. And after the wars is where it they just started to dwindle. Now the Social Security Disability Insurance didn't even start getting funded till nineteen fifty six, and that's what started the downfall of the sideshows. Yeah. yeah, because they could get money without having to work. Well, yeah. that, and the companies had to start paying taxes on and start paying insurance for their performers, and it just got to where there's too much overhead. Yeah. And and then the ones that did want to perform and that still want to perform really have just become the victims of television, internet, and modern society's view on political correctness. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, a modern-day dime museum would be Ripley's Believe It or Not. Yeah. Or Madame Tussauds wax museums, those would be your modern day dime museums. Yeah. Well, yeah. say 
as much as places like the Smithsonian want to say it's not true, modern day museums got their start as dime museums. Yeah. Every museum you know of today wouldn't be here if dime museums hadn't been a thing. Now, I love the curiosity shops and like the oddity museums and stuff like that. I love that stuff. I think it's so cool. And um, the Oklahoma Science Museum in Oklahoma City, they have a oddities cabinet. Um, Yeah. I got a whole lot of photos. Yeah. When you walk in there. So you've got like a two headed cat or two headed calf. And then, you know, some stuffed owls. And then you've got like a two headed snake skeleton and all kinds of like awesome oddities and things like that in there. I love that stuff. I wish there was more of that stuff. Um, I, on Instagram, I follow a group, um, somebody, uh, I think it's oddities and curiosities exhibits, but they travel and do traveling things. And they were just in Tulsa a few weeks ago and we completely missed it. So I'll have to keep following them and find out when they're back in Oklahoma. But I, I love that stuff. Skulls and like the, the Fiji mermaid, things like yeah, that. The odd things that you don't normally see yeah. or that freaks, kind of freak scare people and freak them out and, there used to be a show on TLC or History, and that's what it was. It was kind of like Pawn Stars, but it was with like curiosity <laughs> curiosity shops, and it was an awesome show too. I cannot remember what it's called though. But that that's what started it, and then it moved into the people, and, yeah, and that's yeah. how yeah you know, everything started with the side, side shows and freak shows. And I mean, going back, let's kind of go back and look at some of these performers he had like you had zang and ang the siamese twins uh that barnum had it's where actually it's where the name siamese twins came from yeah i mean they're conjoined twins every you can be a conjoined tenant twin but you're only a siamese twin if you're from siam yeah and that's where they were from so they became the siamese twins they were the original siamese (laughs) twins but um these two their mother actually taught them to do everything themselves taught them how to like wanted them to be able to run and swim and eat cook and dress themselves and do everything a normal person could do and one year when they were about i think i think they were five or six years old they were out swimming and a uh, british businessman saw them swimming and he first he thought it was just a creature he'd never seen and then we realized it was two boys that were conjoined at the hip um he actually paid their mother $500 for him, and he toured them around London in sideshows. And then they came across the seas and started touring, or Oklahoma, started touring uh, the United States. And that's when P.T. Barnum saw them as they were, they were young adults at this time and hired them to be on his show. And like, it was weird with, with these guys. They have two form, perfectly formed bodies. They're just connected around the mid-abdomen area and they actually their livers are combined that's why the one reason they were also never able to be separated um but either one of them could feel the other one being tickled or if they ate something they could feel that they'd eaten and stuff like that it was really interesting yeah sharing a liver i'm sure if one of them was drinking alcohol the other one would get drunk too yeah (laughs) well actually it's um in this book that i have they were saying that our chang was the drinker and Ying never felt the effects of it. Oh, really? But Ying didn't like him drinking, and he didn't like it because he'd get mean. 
And they would actually go long periods of time where they didn't speak to each other. Oh, that got to be hard. Exactly. I, I'm sitting there thinking, how do you how do you move? Like, <laughs> you're not talking. I'm just thinking, to- it's like, well, I'm going this way. Well, I'm going this way. <laughs> but they're, okay, we're just going to stand here. <laughs> but they're not speaking, so they're just like <laughs> they're just pulling <laughs> each other. <laughs> yeah, tug of war going on. I wonder if they got in like fist fights and stuff. I'm sure. They I'm should. sure they, they had did. to have all brothers and sisters well, being and this yeah. close to each other. Literally or physically and emotionally, because yeah. I guess they couldn't feel each other's pain. Well, they could. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of counterproductive. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I'm not going to punch you because it's going to hurt me. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but I mean, that could suck. They were one of the uh, one of the most known attractions, uh, of course, other than Tom Thumb. Yeah, and but, and they were they got married. They, they got older. They married two, two sisters. Had over twenty kids. They they would alternate days with the, like, they would go to one wife's place one day and then one wife's place the next day, and they just alternated like that through their whole hmm. life. And then the sad thing, like, uh, when, th- when uh, uh, Zang, Zang, right? or uh, Chang. Chang, I've been saying Zang the whole time, Chang and Ang, when they got older, um, Chang actually was suffering from bronchitis, and they went to sleep one night, and when Aang woke up, his brother Chang was dead. And the, he c- couldn't move because he, he has a whole other body connected to him that he can't get to move. Um, and he started freaking out and actually caused his heart to stop, is what the reports that I've read on, that he actually scared himself to death after his brother died. So he died of fright? Yeah. Kind of. That's pretty much what the doctors wow. diagnosed it as. is because... He knows he's going to die because at one of the things they kind of share organ. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. one shuts down, it's going to shut his man down. So he knew it was going to happen and he just kind of freaked scary couldn't get any help and he just pretty much laid in bed until he died a couple hours later. Oh my. You know how old they were when they died? Uh they oh, let's see they 70s I think. Se- well they died in 1870. Let's see. I want to say that I want to say they're somewhere there in their seventies or eighties when they died. Let's say it doesn't have when they were. Born. I mean, some of the photos I've seen, I would say over, over. Yeah, 60 they definitely were, and they were performing yeah. up until they died. They enjoyed performing, and they would have shows about just kind of talking about what they could do, and then they would display their talents. I mean, I'm talking about two fully grown men being able to run and swim and jump and do all this athletic abilities together and stuff. It's kind of cool. Barnum also had the wild men and they were the wild men of Borneo. And the story behind them was that they were captured after a deadly struggle by a ship's crew in search of water. They were of a distant human race, spoke no intelligible tongue and uttered strange mixtures of gibberish and gruntled howls. So wild and so ferocious that they were easily or they could easily subdue tigers. Really what they were was they were um two brothers that were about 3 years apart that suffered from a type of dwarfism and mental illness. Like they never mentally developed. It wasn't actually a mental illness. They were never yeah, they mental never retardation. Yeah, mental retardation and they were mentally re- matured that uh he purchased from their mother. Yeah. So, so probably more like the effects of like f- um, 
al- al- alcohol fetus poisoning and yeah. stuff. Yeah, probably something and along like that. Kind of a weird thing going kind of going off of that. Sorry, um, with a lot of these sideshows or these freak shows, these acts, these people. I guess I should say people because they are people. Um, a lot of their disformities and disfigurements, because at the time there weren't medical explanations for these things. Yeah. So they were actually their parents were actually told what happens is when the woman is pregnant, if she is scared by something, that the fetus can take resemblance to what they were scared of. So like Lionel the Lion Man, when he was born, the doctor told his mother that was asked if she would got scared by anything when she was pregnant. She had gotten scared by a lion. And that was the excuse for why he came up looking like he did. <laughs> and that's how it is with a lot of them. Like, uh, the elephant man. Yeah. Where the diagnosis of elephantitis actually came from was because the woman had gotten scared by an elephant when she was pregnant. So when her son started getting these deformities and stuff like that, he just called it elephantitis until it was actually researched later on and figured out what it was and everything. But so a lot of these deformities, this is what their parents were told. So, Oh yeah. Well, um, we had an uncle, our dad's brother had down syndrome and he was born in the forties. I'm assuming age wise. I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, Around the forties, late forties. Yeah. Um, dad and his family 100, 100% believe that he had Down syndrome because the doctors dropped him on his head. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a common thought. Yeah, I mean, it didn't, I mean, now we know that it was because our grandmother was like in her late 40s, early 50s when she had him. So, that's what happened. I mean, the older you are, the higher chance of having yeah. uh, somebody with Down syndrome. But, I but think at this time, these people don't have the yeah. medical knowledge we have now. I mean, this is oh, the 1940s no. that we're talking about. I'm talking about with our dad, too. Yeah. So, I mean, the knowledge is relatively new to us. One thing that actually helped hurt these sideshows is as medical advancements started happening, we started figuring out the medical diagnosis for these disfigurements and deformities. They also found vaccines and ways to cure these things. So it was harder to find the people to put in these shows. Yeah. So it kind of was also what helped with the down decline of sideshows. Um, another thing that would put you in the sideshow is if you, um, there's something that ha- with the Siamese twins with the conjoined twins. There's also something called the parasitic twin, which is kind of like a conjoined twin, but the, the one of the fetuses doesn't fully develop and oh, starts yeah. being consumed by the other fetus. And so that'll that'll have what you'll end up with is you'll end up with somebody who has extra arms or extra legs protruding out of their abdomen or out of their head, things like that. Those were very common sideshows. Um, I know there was one man I can't remember his name, but it was he had two two heads. I don't think he was with um, P.T. Barnum though. I think he was with another act somewhere else. But yeah, I know I know kind of what you're talking about where. It's like that girl who has four legs. She has two bigger legs and then two legs that are smaller yep. that mm-hmm. are in between the other two. And it's and she can actually move the two smaller legs. Well, she can't but, anymore. She's dead. Well, but. well she could. <laughs> she could move the two smaller legs. Yeah. She just couldn't. They couldn't bear weight. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people would think that these were just hoaxes, that they were just like attaching 
prosthetic limbs to them and stuff like that, especially with her because they were small. They just thought it was like puppetry. Yeah. Now, there was one gentleman that he had a parasitic twin growing out of his abdomen, and I cannot remember what his name was. So he would he would do the sideshow and he'd make his money, you know, showing off his his twin. And then when he'd want to go out on the town, he'd just cover it up and mm-hmm. go about his his business and nobody knew knew that he had half of a body hanging out of his abdomen. Now that that was like how we were saying there were some people that this was their only way to support themselves. Yeah. And then there are some people who chose to come in and show this kind of stuff off. Yeah, you have the 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 ones that weren't deformities. Yeah. You had the blockheads who would nail, you know, put nail nails into their heads and through their nose. The sword eaters, the flame eaters, the, the snake, strong man, the snake, snake charmers, yeah, snake charmers, or, um, like the the women who would grow beards and stuff. Yeah, I mean they they could shave, but they wanted to come into the circus. Yeah, well, those, that, that's that's a hormonal thing. And there was, it's, um, yeah, it's called herzutism. There was actually, (laughs) (laughs) uh, one of Bardem's bearded ladies, she had an infant son who by the age of four had a full beard and they started putting him in a dress and he was the bearded girl in their acts. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But yeah, you had the strong men, um, snake charmers, animal tamers, did we say contortionists? Yeah, like, yeah, contortionists, well, yeah. Um, acrobats, tight ro- acrobats, tightrope walkers. Um. Yeah, it grew into big shows, and then it grew into your modern day three ring circus, where you'd have different acts going on in the different rings. Where you'd have, um, yeah, once I get to the circus, that's where you get the big shows like the trapeze stuff, mm-hmm. where you get uh, the equestrian riders who like stand up on horses and things, the and elephants. And when the... they got to circuses, yeah. that's where the that's where the sideshow part actually came about. Is you'd have the circus, which has their their major uh, attractions, but then they would have they would call them ten for ones on sideshow acts. And what it is is they'd have a separate tent outside before the major attraction would go off. And they'd have what they called talkers. And those are the ones that you'd see in the movies. You know, the, step right over here. We got the world's fattest oh, man. Yeah. They were called talkers. Um, some that, people actually would call them barkers if you weren't part of the uh, the circus. But yeah, so, uh, it's still but, part of the sideshows yeah. today. And and I mean, this stuff evolved into vaudeville and it evolved into burlesque and stuff like that kind yeah. of theater. Yeah. This is kind of where it got its start. But what they just do for these tenon ones is they would... Have the talker come out, and they normally bring out one of the you know the acts, and have them perform out outside the tent, and then they would actually have a stage crowd member who would, after the talker would be going off, would rush the stage to get a ticket and get other people to go with them, and they'd go in and it'd just be a line of acts, and the talk, and another talker would get up and talk them through each act, and it'd take about ten minutes per show, and they just do ten minute shows. All the way through all ten people, and you get it for the pr- admission for one, and then you come out, and then stuff like and, that. So. And I mean, it could be stuff as simple as like a woman that owns a big snake, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, to to well, some of these like these freaks or these people that you know do sword swallow and do magic acts. Yeah, a wonderful example of that is HBO had a series called Carnival. Yeah, and 
That yeah. was how they did it. They'd set up the stage, and then they would have the talker out. It was actually a... Um, never mind. They'd have the stage set up, and they'd have the talker, and then they'd go in. And one of... I mean, there was one of the acts was just strippers. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Well, it, like it was uh, that taboo. But, but that not, really wasn't a ten in one though, because a ten in one is all ten acts under the same in the same state. Well, they would do that type of stuff too, because they would have the ones where like, because um, mentalism was part of it. So you know, oh okay, yeah. you know he he'd do the mentalism they and had, then they such as they would have the what they would call nude camps, yeah. and literally what it was was strippers. Yeah, yeah. and then um, I mean one of the, in one of these ten in ones that became really popular was. A half man, half female, and literally what it was was a female that they had had surgery to remove the breast on one side and had her only work out one side of her body, and they would let her grow hair on one side of her face, and they'd cut her hair short on one side and have them display, you know, the man left side and the woman's right side and stuff like that. And that was that's kind of what they do with the ten ones is they wouldn't have the big shows like P.T. Barnum had. But it'd come in, well, there would just be like a sword swallower, and he would just swallow a sword, and then, you know, they'd move on to the next one. There's things like that. There wasn't anything super big when it came to the 10 and ones. But, um, and 10 and ones are kind of more what we have today. Um, very few and far between, but we still have some of those today. Um, there's a permanent one at Coney Island. It's a- called, um, what is the name of it? I know of two at Coney Island. I don't know if oh, there's two now. Well, there's uh, Reynolds Believe It or You're Nuts, who was, was started by, I think his name is Bobby Ryan. He started as a kid in the 40s, was draw, uh, drawn into the talkers, really yeah. liked the talkers of the circus, of the carnivals and stuff. So he became one, spent 50 years in working with these uh, sideshows, and then created his own on Coney Island. And then actually across the street from where his is, is you have the sideshow on the seashore, um, which is more of a the ten for one kind of is what they try to go with. And they have Eek the Sneak, the guy who tattooed his face with space, and he's the lead, like kind of like the ringleader kind of thing. And he does a bunch of acts, and of course they have a bunch of other people and stuff. But very cool. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, the sideshows weren't even just the freaks and stuff like that either. I mean, Wild West shows were popular. Um, yeah, I mean, in any kind of close-up theater. Yeah. I mean... Magicians, I, mentalists, all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, like, stand-up comedy was still a hundred years away from this, but it, it was stuff like that. Maybe some, like, Carrot Top stuff where it's just like lunatic shit and not like really all that acts, funny. Yeah, prop like comedy yeah, stuff, yeah, prop comedy. Thank you. <coughs> now, I think it was you who was telling me that the Lizard Man, and I know, I mean, a lot of our listeners have probably seen this Lizard Man. He's completely tattooed like a lizard. He's had his tongues, you know, divided. He's had the implants put under his skin to give him like the lumps Raised and lumps, stuff. Yeah, lumps. but lumps. <laughs> My lumps, my lovely lady lumps. But yeah, you were telling me that he actually does stand-up comedy too. Like he does the freak show stuff. Yeah. And he does stand-up comedy as well. Um, And what was really interesting with him is he also toured with bands like um, Slayer and... In the 80s and 90s, that's kind of where the sideshow went. Mm -hmm. Um, You have Jim Ross, or Jim Rose, I always want to call him Jim Ross, 
from WWE. Jim He's Rose. from Oklahoma, too. Yep. Jim Rose, who, when MTV started their whole, you know, rock music and stuff like that, he went, I can make a show out of this using sideshow uh, acts. So he'd have, you know, the metal music or the rock music playing and the sword eaters and the tattooed people and all this doing crazy things. And they toured with Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails. And that's what he kept up with, of course. And then when rock music kind of fell, he started trying to change things to do it. And there's an interview with him on one of the documentaries I watched. He's like, sideshows, he goes, it's an ever-evolving uh, profession. He goes, no. you have to keep up with the trends to keep the acts fresh to get people to come to it. He goes, I can't keep the shows that I did in the 90s. Today, they just wouldn't last. No one would show up. Yeah. Um, so you have a lot of things like that. Um, I've also heard that Jim Rose was a dick, but that's someone else's opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never met him. Um, There used to be... Well, no, there is. Um, what, the people that hang from piercings? Mm-hmm. Things of that nature? That's kind yeah. of become a part of the side shows. Well, then um, tattoos. tattoos. Tattoos has just become normal. normal. I mean, you guys both have tattoos. Yeah. What was it? I, uh, yeah. Jim Rose. He had, I am he, untattooed. <laughs> Jim Rose, in his interview, he goes, you know, I used to be able to sell or make money off of a young tattooed man. He goes, now you walk outside and he's your next door neighbor. Yeah. He goes, no one wants to come see that when you can just see it in everyday life. Yeah. Well, and I think that's kind of how it is now. Modern day time. This is why it's not paranormal anymore. Because today is a modern day freak show. It's the norm now. Oh, yeah. You know, and you don't have to go to a carnival or a circus to see it. You get on your computer or you turn on your TV and it's there. I mean, TLC is like... TLC might as well be a dime museum. What they've got, my six hundred pound life. They've got um, little, little people, people big, big world. world. They've got what hoarders and what I'm addicted to this yeah. and taboo. And I mean, like, yeah. there's all kinds of shows that show the stuff that these <clears throat> these sideshows used to show. Now to back up a little bit, I remember in the '90s, kind of where the sideshow went was to. Um, <clears throat> was the morning talk shows and daily talk shows. Yeah. You know, your your Geraldo Rivera's, your Donahue's and stuff, they would they would bring these people on and be like, oh, look at these people, you know, and look how they live their life. And There was an episode of Sally Jesse Raphael. That was that, another one, yeah. That I remembered watching, and then I think it's also in one of the West Memphis documentaries where they have Marilyn, Man- Marilyn Manson and Twiggy and, like, the whole band up there and they're talking to him about witchcraft and how their music is causing people to, you know, commit crimes, commit crimes. I remember watching this when I was a kid. Um, I don't know. Do you remember Sally, Jesse, Raphael? No, I mean, I know exactly what interview you're talking about because I've seen it, but well, like I watched that show all the time. Like that and Donahue, I think we watched all the time. (laughs) My, Um, My favorite thing is Adam's family. When, She's has she's on the show, you know, and then she's talking about like African headhunters or yeah. something, and and Gomez calls in, and then she's like, "Mr. Adams, please stop calling. We don't know where they meet." <laughs> yes, <laughs> Adams family. Yes, 
maybe. Oh, they would have some off the wall stuff on that sh- on those shows. Yeah. Um, but I think because we have a curiosity. I mean, yeah. every single one of us does. That's why. Honestly, that's why we slow down when we see a wreck on the road. Mm. It, what are we going to see? You know, that's why we, we want to see something that freaks us out. Yeah. We're naturally drawn to it. That's why if you see a big accident, like Amy said, or... Um, that's why you that's why double take. Are, that's mm. why people are into murder or like people are people into true crime, true crime yeah. is the shock and awe of seeing the crime scene and yeah. stuff like that. People want to be grossed out. Scared, frightened, excited. <laughs> Everyone is demented. Yes, uh, some of us more than others. <laughs> some of us host hi. podcasts about the demented. <laughs> My name is Amy, and I have a problem. <laughs> hi, Amy. <laughs> but no, this this I, I've really enjoyed my research for this episode. It's been a lot of fun. Like I said, I watched like four documentaries just today, not counting the websites and stuff I read on. It was just really interesting, really fun. You know, I really wish I would have been alive in the forties to go see some of these. I actually was reading all this stuff, and I was reading how much people were making on the shows, like especially P.T. Barnum. P.T. Barnum paid well; not all of them did, but he paid really well. And I was sitting there thinking, hmm, had my jet ski accident have happened in the forties, I mean, it wouldn't have been a jet ski accident because they didn't exist in the nineteen eighteen forties, but had. I've been alive and almost lost my foot then. I might have had them just go ahead and take it and then go work for the circus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember hearing stories of... It's in your blood. Yeah. That, uh, Maybe I did. Some of these performers in the, you know, in the eight, say 1880s were making $100 a week, which at the time is, you know, I would think probably be, what, a couple thousand dollars today? Yeah. Oh, at least. I mean, the... The conversion thing, the gold standard stuff, I mean, you can't go past 1900, but if you look at stories of things people bought, like I remember uh, hearing that P.T. Barnum bought one of his elephants for like $10,000, you know? The house he built, the um, Iranistan was, I think it cost him 50000 or something like that. And today it would have been like probably a $5 million mansion. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, you can kind of base it off of what people people. So you got to think these people. Yeah, a a lot of these people in these sideshow were making more than the rest of the people of New York. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tom Thumb, like I talked about him, he was uh, in in the height of his career was making a thousand dollars a week, which is roughly around four thousand dollars a week. If I could make four thousand dollars a week, I I, oh my god, that would be amazing. (laughs) Hey, if I could make a thousand dollars a week, it didn't even have to be like four thousand. A thousand a week would just make my day. So usually, admission prices to these to these shows were anywhere from ten cents to twenty five cents. And now, admission prices now would be what ten dollars, fifteen. Looks like a, a circus so. ticket is ten to fifteen dollars, really. Uh, yeah. Thirty five, I believe, is what we the tickets okay, for were for the, the ones that we Schreiner went to. Circus we went to. Now, um, at the American Museum, uh, the Barnum had, yeah. I think his admission was twenty five cents, and then half price for children. And then I was sitting there thinking, what would half price of twenty five cents? Be? <laughs> it's probably the, fifteen cents. That's probably like, what well, you, you also <laughs> got to remember back in that time, mill coins were very popular, and mill coins broke down beyond the penny. The ten mill coins equal the penny. Oh, I didn't know that existed. Yeah. 
Also, with I learned lot, something new with a lot of these sideshows and stuff like that. They would give you a time limit, so you know, for a dime show, you'd pay. So, so you paid a dime. Well, you'd only be able to see there for forty-five minutes, and if you didn't see everything, you'd have to go back repay to get in. And that's what they'd get people is they'd have okay, they have forty-five minutes of these, you know, these performances, but that one you really want to see is just after that forty-five minutes. <laughs> so you have to repay to watch see that big the big act. And that's how they would get people. Yeah. Well, that's, that's like video games today. Oh, yeah, the game is free. You mean anything made by EA right now. But if you want to actually be able to play the game, oh, no, you have to buy all have this to equipment. Get this it's pretty much EA. It's like, hey, here's the base game we have. It's for free. But if you actually want it to download it and play it on your PlayStation, that's going to cost you fifty nine ninety five. And then if you want the skin pack, which is required to play the game, that is nineteen ninety five. And then you'll need weapons because you can't win the game without weapons. So here's a hundred different packs that are all four ninety nine. I mean, oh, but if you want to compete with other players, since this is an MMO, then. You're going to need to purchase our online package, which allows you up to 20 minutes of online play <laughs> for any more than... Yeah. <laughs> it, it almost sounds like you're dealing with a car salesman. I think when you start doing this at work, well, ma'am, it's going to be 19.95, but that only covers the first 10 minutes, and then it's going to be 79.95 for each additional minute. <laughs> And then <laughs> it's like the one eight hundred number, or the one, or the, yeah, one eight hundred or what nine hundred numbers from like the back in the nineties when it'd be like you'd be watching TV late at night, and be like, "Do you need a friend to talk to? Call me up. It'll be for just one dollar a minute. For one dollar a minute for the first five minutes. Not that I know what and they then, actually say or anything. Yeah, like <laughs> it's like, but but there the was nine ninety nine per minute after. There was also ones for like um, video games, yeah, like Nintendo tips that you that you would call up to call up to get Nintendo tips. Yeah, if you were struggling, what are you wearing, Mario? <laughs> <laughs> Say, apparently, I, I, I only seeing those on uh, Nickelodeon the, and things. I only listened to the the sex talk <laughs> commercials. Well, apparently. well, y'all didn't y'all didn't have cable? No, though. we didn't. So it so. was it was a lot of call one eight hundred busty girls. And we'll and be your friend. You're like, That's way too many numbers. One nine hundred six seven five boobies two five six seventeen ninety five. Wait, what? my number my phone Is doesn't this even an international number. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they said twenty five in there somewhere. That's not on my number pad. Like, yeah. Did they say fifty five? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. What are these numbers? They're just throwing in new numbers. I think all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean that—that's basically what these were. I mean, it was—it was a way to make money. It was a way to entertain the people. And I mean, it's—is it where the term nickel and diamond comes from? I don't know. Fun, oh. that sounds like it. That sounds, yeah, it could be. Um, but I mean, we do that today. You know, we pay—we pay an arm and a leg to go sit for an hour in a movie theater so to you watch pay a movie. Twelve dollars just for a drink. Yeah, I mean, they do it yeah. to us still, and we. We happily hand over our money for an we hour like worth of entertainment. We like to be entertained. Yeah. yeah. I mean... As a human race, we cannot self-entertain ourselves. <laughs> we have to require or rely on others to entertain us. Yeah. Well, heck. Very true. Our kids like to go to... Our daughter likes to go to Chuck E. Cheese. We cannot go to Chuck E. Cheese 
and not spend at least $70. Yeah. But it's usually a good two hour, two to three hours worth of entertainment for both of our kids. For us, Dave and I are out there playing the games like... Yeah. We actually might steal some coins from our daughter to play the games. You know, <laughs> we, we take turns. Who you're got, paying for we, it? We, so we, t- we take turns. Not who's going to watch the kids and who's going to go play? Like we <laughs> we totally do that. We eat some pizza. Yeah, have some drinks. But it's it's good entertainment. Um, heck, on a casino is where we go. Yeah, adult we, entertainment. There we you spend go. a whole hell of a lot more money than seventy five dollars there. But um, it's really interesting to see the like. Um, I would actually like to, if I ever make my way to Coney Island, is go see some of these sideshow acts just to see them. Might be, you know, one of the five people in the crowd because these aren't very popular. Nah, but... But I think it would be interesting to see. But I mean, there's lots of TV and movies out there for it. Um, well, you have... Just going with TV, I mean, you had HBO's Carnival, which also introduced like a supernatural kick to it. And it was based in Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, During the Dust Bowl. You had American Horror Story Freak Show. Um, you have, I think it's a sci-fi maybe or a Spike TV is called Freak Show. And it was like a reality competition um, and stuff like that. And then it's been in a couple other shows. Um, well, Ripley's Believe It or Not was a TV show for yeah. a while. Um, now, if you want to go really far back in 1932, there is a movie called Freaks that yeah. stars a lot of P.T. Barnum's um, uh, freaks. Yeah, a lot, a of, lot of a lot of these sideshow acts were in the movie. Um, and and it isn't just a let's put a camera on them and see what they do. It's an actual movie. The well, the, the trapeze that... artist is is trying to run off with with another performer, maybe the strong man, but they gotta kill like her husband first. And it's it's this whole film. Yeah, it it was a flop. Well, um, yeah, <laughs> they were actually the the new. I want to say the paper actually read they didn't know whether to show it in movie theaters or the hospitals. <laughs> um, and it's one of those the actual. The, it's actually a very uh, famous line, but the one of us, one of us, one yeah. of us. That's actually from that ship movie. I'd actually try to watch. It's on YouTube. I watched like twenty minutes of it today. Now, uh, yeah. Schlitzie's in it. Yep. You know who Schlitzie is? American Horror Stories Freak Show actually has a character based off of Schlitzie. Oh, that's cool. And who is that? Oh, is that the? It's a pinhead. Yeah, it's, um, he had microcephaly. Uh huh. And it's where the head is smaller than normal, and that's usually caused by uh, like fetal alcohol syndrome or or drugs or things like that when it's developing the brain. That's the thing that they had the big scare of with Zika. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when I was people, pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, and I was watching an interview, and they're talking. He's like, "There, this next generation of, I think it's Brazil, where it happened, the Zika virus is very common. This whole next, there's going to be a whole generation of pinheads, if that's what you want to call them, because from the if cause that's what helps contribute to this. Mm-hmm. So they're actually worried that there's going to be hundreds of kids born with, with this, this disease. disease. Well, but, but Schlitzy himself, he he never developed mentally past the age of three. Um, on stage, he he was for, he was a female, and in the in the film, he's a female. But that's mostly because the people that were taking care of him, because he was only three in his mind, he was never potty trained, so it was easier to change his diapers if he was in a dress rather than in like a pants or like yeah. a sailor suit or yeah. anything you dress a boy in, you know. Um, 
and they took really good care of him. And in fact, um, some performers, I don't remember which ones, adopted him. But when they passed on, his sister, I think it was, got custody of him, and she just um, put him in a mental asylum. Yeah, and that was the norm for the average person at the time. And one thing that I thought was really cool in my research is because a lot of these people got sold to the circus, like their parents or caretakers would sell them to the circus, they were usually well taken care of by other members of the circus. Yeah. And they were adopted by them. I think Barnum actually adopted a couple too. Because Barnum, in his museum, the whole top floor was housing for Mm -hmm. the acts, so... Yeah, and one thing with Barnum, every piece of property he owned burnt down. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. They actually, the museum burnt down twice. Yeah, and the second time he just like, I'm not going to rebuild it, and that's when it went more to the mobile. That's when he joined up with Bailey's. Bailey's. Probably all those ladies and smoking with their feet. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I mean, with sideshows, there's been a big debate whether or not it's been moral to have these sideshows. And the thing is, you actually have the so-called do-gooders, the ones say, it's immoral to do that. You're um, you're exploiting these people. And then you, on the other side, you actually have the people themselves, the acts themselves, saying, no, this is, we do, we do this, we offer to do this. We enjoy doing this. We make a living doing this. And it's weird to see how you have this public, de- huge public debate. And on one side, you have the one that the do-gooders are trying to protect, are the ones who are fighting them over the whole thing. Oh, and yeah. that still happens today. And that leads me to believe that maybe it's not so bad. If the people who are the ones that are supposedly being exploited, exploited are like, no, this is fine. That's like, like honestly, that's like sex, work- sex workers today. And yeah. strippers yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, you're just exploiting women. No, these women are choosing to do this. This is a choice that they are making. And and yeah, at and, the same time, we realize some people it's out of their choice. They're they're a slave to somebody, but that's very few and far between. Yeah, I and mean, it's a whole different thing than what we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, these people are people who have made the choice to stay. I mean, it's not like they were held captive. You know, even if these children, these children that were sold, one day decided that they wanted to leave. Barnum wasn't going to keep them there. No, no, absolutely not. Well, Barnum was actually really good about um, he because he wanted to change things up. So he would hire people and tell them, hey, I'm going to hire you for six months. Mm-hmm. And he'd pay them very well for six months and then let them go on their way. And at this time, most of them would just join up with another circus or a carnival or something and travel with them because he wanted to keep introducing new things. He yeah. didn't want to keep it stale. So, I mean, he never, if he paid someone for, you know, like the uh, Chang and Yang, Eng, he paid to get them, and then he paid them weekly, you know, daily yeah. wages. Yeah. And then if they wanted to stop, he let them go. Yeah. No, I mean, not all of them were, were Barnums, you know. A lot yeah. of them were like, you're going to work long hours, and I'm going to take most of your profit. There was a lot of that. Yeah, there were actually some shows that were 24-hour shows that mm-hmm. they just repeated every uh, every hour. But so. but that falls more under labor laws than it does let's make everybody stop performing laws. Yeah. You know. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel like 
if they wanted to do it, if they, you know, were fighting to keep doing it, then let them keep doing it. Yeah. But, you know, our society has gradually gotten more and more. I mean, good things have come from it. I mean, it has stopped a lot of the the child labor and all that stuff. But at the same time... At the time, though, the children wanted to work. Yeah. So... I don't know. It, and like I said, we can't judge 100 years, 200 years ago on today's standards. Yeah. So yeah. To each their own. So Barnum had the museum. They're traveling. There's freak shows around with the circuses, carnivals, things of that nature. Um, well, Barnum's, I just, I, I talked about Barnum's museum burning down. So his museum burns down twice. The second time he's like, I'm done. He takes a big troop to Europe. You know, they make some money in Europe. He comes back. He joins forces with J.A. Bailey, who had another circus that was actually in competition with Bailey, with uh, Barnum. Yeah, but they joined first for verses. They joined verses. They joined. They joined the verses. Yes, yes. They joined the verses. They joined for They joined the verses. And he's gone to Swedish, Norwegian, I guess. More. They joined the forces. They joined forces and created the. Barnum and Bailey Circus. And they traveled, you know, all over the world. They got, what? They had Jumbo the Elephant. They had all the freak show acts. They had trapeze artists. They had jugglers. They had, I mean, it was just full circus. Then, and that was in 19, no, that was in 1871. Then, at the time, there were lots of other circuses going on. It was kind of, the the heyday of the circus, I guess you could say, where there's just all types of circuses going on. And then in 1884, the Ringling Brothers had their first circus. And the Ringling Brothers, they were more of like a menagerie of animals and acts. They didn't really so much have a lot of the freak shows. They had a few, like your common ones, your strong man, your bearded ladies... Um, yeah, I, I don't think they ever used anybody with um, birth defects or with other deformities. Yeah. Now, they were, cons- unlike Mr. Barnum, they were known as the first honest circus. They didn't have your pickpockets that would come around. They were very honest. In fact, there was one story I remember hearing that they went into a town and they couldn't pay, they didn't have enough money, they were making enough money to pay for their hotel. So they snuck out in the middle of the night. The next day they made the money. They mailed the money to the innkeeper, or the hotel. The oh, pay, that's to amazing. Pay. Like, so, you know, it's, they, they snuck out, but it's because they couldn't pay. And then as soon as they were able to pay, they paid it back. Now, now besides local law enforcement, this circus, the Ringling Brothers, they would also hire their own for like the uh the Pinkertons and things like that to help patrol it to keep the crime down, especially the petty crime. Yeah, and I believe it was five brothers. Six brothers. There were eight of them, but I think only like six of them were actually 
part of it. I was thinking it was like five I was of it was them. Five. One, two, three, four. Yeah, five. So it was five of them. Now, now these brothers, I mean, since they were little kids, they were putting on shows. I mean, they would put on shows in like like their neighborhood or at their. Uh, I don't know if they had school back then, but we used to do that. Chad, do you remember putting on all our performances? <clears throat> We could start our own circus. We, we even start... did acrobatics and yeah, everything. We did acrobatics and everything. We could start the Sooner Circus back up again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I could balance you on my feet anymore, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I could balance standing up by myself anymore either. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were a family of performers. And each and they that was really cool is they worked like they worked well together because each one had a strong suit. Like there was one that was really good at finances. So he handled all of the money. Then there was another one who was really good at scheduling and like a very organized type of person. So he would be in charge of going and scouting out the locations and then getting everybody there and getting it set up, getting all the rastabouts. Yeah. Getting them all go set up and you had the one who was with the PR who was really good at public relations and getting, you know, people to show up and stuff like that. And yeah, so each one had their own job, their own duty to do, and that's why I think it works so well is they weren't overstepping each other. They each did their own thing to make the circus run. Yeah. yeah and then it wasn't one guy trying to do everything, and he's just stressed to the max, you know. They're... So they had fun while they were doing it. Yeah. And then in, actually, April 7th, 1891, Barnum passed away. Which left Bailey with the circus. For some reason, Bailey got the idea that he was going to. Was, uh, what had happened is at the time, the Barnum and Bailey Circus and the Three Ring or the Ringling Brothers Circus, they had been feuding. Well, then they had decided, okay, let's quit fighting with each other. You know, let's split the country up. You guys do the East Coast, we do the West Coast. And then we're not showing, you know, not doing performances the same night in the same towns and yeah. things of that nature. So they they had that worked out. Well, then when Barnum passed away, Bailey decided to go to Europe with the circus. So the the shows quit getting held in the United States. So the Ringling Brothers went and did some shows in the East East Coast. Um, and when Bailey came back, basically. The Barnum and Bailey Circus was dead. Um, and so he negotiated with the Ringling Brothers where they received part of the circus. And that was when they had the first Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. And then when Bailey died, it went to his wife. The family decided to sell the rest of it to the Ringling Brothers. And that's where we get the Ringling Brothers Bartum and Bailey Circus that we all know today. And this circus ran for 126 years, I think. Something so along those lines. It's only very recently yeah. that it's yeah. been done. Two, 2017, I think, was when they decided the to shut it down. They got rid of all the animals. Um, and there's actually going to be a. There's a documentary about their final show that'll be on Memorial Weekend May 7th I think on TV be around when this releases yeah probably around the time this release, this episode releases <coughs> so 
I, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah. Um, I remember going to the circus as a child. I remember going to the Ringling Circus when I was a child and absolutely loving it. Oh, yeah. The lights. and I mean, it was a real performance. Now, the, sh- the Shining... The Shiner Circus. The Shining Circus. The Shiny Circus. The Shriner Circus is a good circus. But it has nothing... It had nothing on the Barnum and Bailey Circus. It was just... I mean, <clears throat> not only were the acts, you know, mesmerizing... But how big the show was. I mean, it was huge. Yeah, well, I mean... And the lights, the interaction, the clowns, the... I mean, everything about the Ringling Circus was big. We went and saw it. I think we saw it at... It wasn't at the Cox Convention Center. I believe it was at the peak before it was remodeled into the peak. The Ford Center, I think. Was the the Ford Center, yeah. Um, Is where we went and saw it. So we're talking a big arena. When we went and saw the Shriner Circus, it was held at the State Fair in yeah. one of the State Fair buildings. So it was it was one of the bigger buildings, but it was not. Yeah. It wasn't nearly as big of an area. But the lights and the the theatrics Music, yeah, of it, theatrics, everything about it was just. I remember. I mean, I was early teens, maybe like eleven or twelve, maybe. Maybe yeah. Maybe even a little bit younger than that when we went to it. I remember just being mesmerized by it. And of course, I remember all I really wanted was one of the glow and the light swords that they sold. Now, this is when I discovered that was actually when I discovered I had a fear of clowns. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not like deathly afraid of clowns, but we had a clown come up and start talking to us, and it scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Your daughter's scared of clowns too. <laughs> she hasn't even seen the movie yet. <laughs> <laughs> But that's when I discovered that I had this fear of clowns. I still, I don't like clowns, but I don't go out of my way to see clowns. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, just not my, not my cup of tea. Too much John Wayne Gacy in it. <laughs> <laughs> but so that, I mean, that's kind of the, the way the circus evolved. You know, it started out as like the dime museums. And then that started traveling around and because we all needed entertainment. And some of my favorite acts from going to the circus would be like the the ribbon dancing women, the people who hang from the top and like do yeah. all the like. I can't remember what that's actually um, called, but. Yeah. It's, it's like a flying act. It's where yeah. they're on the rope and they. They're like wrapped up the, in like a ribbon type thing and they dance it and climb it and all that stuff and it, it kind of looks like they're swimming yeah if um, if you've seen the little mermaid the not the movie but the play the it's exactly what Broadway. they're doing yeah yeah aerial silks yes yeah i love that stuff <laughs> now when i was a kid <laughs> i because you know, for Christmas one year, our grandfather made stilts for all of the grandkids. And that's when we learned how to walk on stilts. And we used to put on little performances walking around on the stilts. But I was trying to master the baton twirl and uh, hula hoops. And that was my big thing. Was, I was going to get the hula hoops and the baton twirling. And Chad was going to walk on the stilts. <laughs> mm-hmm. We got good at stilts. I could go up and down stairs on stilts. I could... I'm- I don't know if I could do it anymore. I mean, I'm sure I could, but I haven't tried in years since well, I was a kid. He made Cooper some stilts. They were that was too heavy for them. I tried. You were. 
I could hear it cracking, so I got yeah. off. <laughs> that was a few, that was right before he passed away. He made her some stilts, but um, yeah, yeah, we used to do a lot of crazy things on those. Like we, we could, not only would we walk, but we'd walk and like spin on one leg on them, and we could jump rope. Yeah, we could jump rope on the stilts. Yeah, I mean, we got good at the stilts. Um, I even tried skateboarding on the stilts once. Didn't work well, but I tried. <laughs> you know, it's really good on stilts is people who do drywall. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the Oklahoma Science Museum, they also have a circus type exhibit in like the children's area. And our daughter was walking the tightrope. She was pretty darn good at it for never have walked a tightrope <laughs> before. It's in her blood. Yeah, I was like, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> I so think the only thing I can do anymore is juggle, and I'm still I. Haven't done it in a while, but I can still juggle pretty well, and I can even do like the hacky sack with the juggle and everything. But that's about it. Apparently, with my loud voice, I could be the ringmaster. <laughs> um, now, what what year did the Sooner Circus quit performing? I don't know when they quit performing. They started in forty one. I mean, you so got around the fifties or the sixties, like late fifties or sixties, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, I know when. Uh, our grandmother Catherine passed away. Uh, Fritz, that was just Fritz's wife. Um, he eventually remarried and moved to Kansas City, Missouri. But I don't know when that would that would have had to have been. I would say late sixties, early seventies. Okay. And she used to make the costumes and stuff for the circus. Um, but yeah, I don't know for sure when it stopped. Uh, it would have to be the 60s because my aunt remembers it. Yeah. And she was a child in the 60s. <laughs> now we'll have to have our family, you know, who listen to our podcast come and tell us whether or not we're right or wrong. Yeah, or... now we need that to happen. Somebody who listens, it's family that knows. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any of our family still listens. <laughs> I think mom's still back. I don't think mom's even listened to the episode where I said she wouldn't listen till it till Christmas. I don't think she's listened to that one yet. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that was a superstition. Yeah, I think well, so. Well, she has a lot going on. Yeah. She's a very busy woman. You can listen to podcasts while you're doing the dishes. That's what I. But do. she has the kids, and oh, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> I listen to three podcasts today, actually. Yeah, I listen to a few myself. Along with our circus and the circuses that we've talked about, there have been many movies made. Um, Dumbo. Yeah, Dumbo's one. And there's a new Dumbo out, a live action Dumbo. Yeah. It there's there's a lot of shows where the circus becomes the setting. There's some quantum leap episodes where there's a setting at the circus. Well, um, we're back at Dinosaur Story. Yes. Yeah, that's another one around okay. the circus. Um I'd say the most recent well, besides the new Dumbo that just came out, most recent one would actually is is about Bar uh P. T. Barnum. Barnum. Would be the greatest showman on earth. The greatest now, showman. The greatest showman. Yeah, I was on earth. <laughs> but <laughs> so I don't the think greatest they really, show on earth. They really got into the circus part of it in that film, didn't they? It, At the end is when it's it's more about the museum. Yeah. And how he started everything. Now, I mean, of course, it's made to. It's fictitious. Yeah, yeah. It's based on a true story, which means it's got truth in it. But yeah, like um, Zac Efron's character is based off of the J. A. Bailey. And another circus owner that was friends with Barnum. Uh, so, like, it uh, wasn't an actual person. It was, like, the mixture of the two. Yeah. And, like, 
there were lots of characters that were that's what they were. They were kind of mixtures of multiple characters. Now I'm no. going to come out and say Hugh Jackman is a far more attractive PT ba- PT Barnum than uh, PT Barnum, Barnum himself. Was. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I know in the film they they made a deal about he was trying to have an affair with the opera singer. Yeah, I don't know if but that, that true, but. but I mean that. I don't think that was Never true because happened. he completely disowned his daughter for being in an affair. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think he did that. Yeah. And but. then just the way he spoke of his wife, you know. Yeah. Now, I, but, say, I have to say, now, I'm one of those on musicals, I lean either way. I either like them or I don't. And I absolutely love this movie. It's a great movie. Um, I showed my roommate and, well, I guess I showed Eli and... He he absolutely fell in love with it. Like it's just a really good movie. It's got sad parts, funny parts, um, just overall really entertaining. The music is super catchy. Yeah, it's, but it, but it really did play into his. Well, let's dress it up, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like 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 yeah, you're tall, but let's put you on some stilts. Let's make you yeah. a little taller. You're pretty fat, but let's shove some pillows. And on those there. Are, really? He actually did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so with that, that was definitely part of it. Um, he was good at, at just knowing how to increase it. Mm-hmm. Now, what other movies we've got? Uh, the Last Unicorn is based off of a well. There's a circus that's going around that has a whole bunch of um, mythical creatures in it. Yeah. So, like, there's a harpy, and then there's, but like, they're all disguised as regular creatures. But uh, it, yeah, it, it's got the circuses in yeah. it. Um, I mean, there's just a lot where they play the, the scene. There's scenes set in the in there. I mean, you can go to Batman and Robin, and the, even in the comic books. I mean, Robin was a trapeze. His family was trapeze yeah. artist, and they're Chris m- O'Donnell. And well, I'm going more the comic book, but yes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, his parents or his family is murdered, and he becomes Robin and stuff like that. So I mean, there's circus scenes there. Um, they're just all over the place in movies. Now, a lot of times now, circus scenes are kind of dark and twisted, fe- preying on the fear part of it. Um, and the fear part of the freak show actually all became with the 1932 film Freaks. Yeah. That's where they started turning them into the dark and twisted and wanted you to play on the fear of them. And that actually, from then, actually, that's what started changing the out- opinion and uh, outlook on the freak shows. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of slasher films from the '80s that take place around the circus, or or even the carnivals. You know, killer clowns from outer space. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, even going clowns are everywhere. <clears throat> Killjoy, it, can or not Candyman. Man. Uh, what is it? Killjoy was really bad. What's but, which is it? Killjoy or is it the killer clowns from outer space where they've got like the people wrapped in cotton candy cocoons? Yeah, that's killer clowns. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're they're drinking their their blood yeah. and things. Killjoy, I just remember the things. He's in a ice cream truck. He's talking to Blake, he's like, "Come on, cuz, you want some ice cream, cuz? We got some good stuff, cuz." And it's just, it's just overplayed. It's so funny though. <laughs> Me and Austin watched that one at one point, but I mean, circus and clowns and. They're all over the place in pop culture and in movies. I mean, there's actually out music and songs and stuff about circuses, like yeah. rock music that's played off the circus. And heck, you've got uh, was it My Chemical Romance? It was uh, 
match of the black parade i think march of the black parade has a whole circus kind of theme to it i think britney spears has one too like i mean it's just one of those pop culture has really taken over with or likes to use the circuses and the carnivals and a lot of different things. Yeah. In this video game me and Kylie play, which is Alliance. It's like Superhero Alliance. Mm-hmm. Marvel, I believe. Yeah. There's a whole scene where it's at the circus. Yeah. And you can like a go into level. the different tents and do little side quests and things like that on it, mm-hmm. can't you? Um, there's a new sh- There's a show on Netflix that my our daughter loves. It's um, Creeped Out. And it's kind of along the lines of... Um, are you afraid, afraid of the, of the dark? dark? And yeah. Are you the afraid of the dark? I think has a circus, circus episodes. Oh yeah, at least. But they've got a circus episode on it, and it's pretty good. Um, that one's more of uh, like a carnival. Yeah, but same premise. It it has a very good story with a very interesting twist ending that I did not even see coming. <laughs> <laughs> So, so for a ch- a children for a kids programming, it's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I was enthralled with it. Hey, are you afraid of the dark? Still holds up today. So. I believe they're remaking that. Are they? Like we, Very I actually cool. bought it on it Prime so we could sit and watch it because it. I was yeah. like, I used to love this show as a kid. Because our daughter, she loves things spooky, spooky. I love scary movies, but it's hard to find ones that are for children, yeah. age appropriate. Yeah, where you're not having to explain. Why she's topless? Yeah, well, she's of, topless because of... for some reason in horror, sco- or horror movies, you have to see tits at some point. In time. <laughs> <laughs> bringing this back to circuses and carnivals, <laughs> uh, I mean, at the time and when P.T. Barnum was doing this, some of these acts weren't child appropriate. Oh, yeah. but of course, at the time there wasn't ratings and everything was family friendly. But um, the Lizard Man was talking about how he had. He has an act for the adult shows. He has an act for the family shows. And he's got an act for his comedy shows. And they're all different because he has to appeal to each audience. And there's certain yeah. things he can do in some, but he can't do in others. Yeah. Things like that. He's like, at some places, I got to be funny. And then at other places, I can just be gross. And then at other places, I got to be child appropriate. Yeah. yeah. And, so. Yeah. And what? The just certain- like our podcast. We don't care. <laughs> so we've got some we've got some kid friendly episodes, and then we've got some not so kid friendly episodes. So don't let your kid listen to the spectrophilia episode. No, but if they want to listen Never. to the scary story episode, uh, the first part of the scary story episode, the Bigfoot episode is pretty child appropriate. For the most part. I don't know. We start talking about penises. I would say... Um, We never actually say the word penis, though. Anything that doesn't have the explicit next to it. Yeah. Well, they all have the explicit next to it. (sighs) Oh. Our our Mandela effect is probably child appropriate. When we had Cooper here and she was 14. Yeah. Um, Uh, It's not. (laughs) Maybe we're just not child appropriate at all. Because we we had to keep reminding ourselves... Uh, there's a minor in this room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to take it down a notch. All right. So we're not child appropriate. We are not the circus. We are not for all ages. Um, we are a bunch of freaks, though. We are a bunch of freaks. But another thing with this creeped out is, is a lot of things with horror movies or even science fiction movies, which are starting to just to become other types of horror movies. It's a lot of concepts that children just don't understand. 
So you got to ex- try to explain it to them, mm-hmm. you know. And with this creeped out show, it just kind of gives them the explanation as it goes or it deals with concepts they already understand. Yeah. I mean, they even got a time travel one on there that you don't get lost in the logic of it. It just... Just makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense the way it plays out. and <coughs> Probably better than our time travel podcast. <laughs> <laughs> time crimes. I went to my first circus just a few years ago. Yeah, when we went to the Shriner Circus. Yeah, yeah, and got to enjoy it with my daughter. I'd, n- I'd never been to anything like that. I've been to, like, carnivals and sideshows and... but. And there yeah. and there's something about seeing it live, because like if you watch a video of it, you know that nothing's bad's gonna happen, yeah. Or else the title of the video is gonna entail that. So when they're inside this like metal cage, driving these motorcycles around, the whole time you're sitting there like on the edge of your seat, like this could go wrong at any second. Or they're walking across I the tightrope. I may tight have rope. watched a 10-minute video, YouTube video of Circus Fails today. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched one where uh, the tightrope walkers, they were working on an eight-man pyramid, which was going to set a Guinness World Record, and they fell, and this was without the net. Oh. Yeah, the one um, where they're all hanging upside down. Like There's some hanging upside down on the rope. Some of them fell to the ground. Um, well, I watched, there's one where they're all doing like a human pyramid, kind of hanging down from the ropes, and it all falls, and they all just like land on top of each other. Yeah, and that one was kind of scary. Well, this one, but, but was... at the same time, when you click that, you know what you're going. Oh yeah, expect I mean, it says circus fails. Um, well, this actually, this one that I'm talking about, you know, the guy that did walked across the Niagara Falls and mm-hmm. walked across the Grand Canyon. It was him and his family, and he was one of the ones. He didn't fall to the ground. He fell and caught himself on the the tight white rope. But they all, I mean, they went to the hospital, but they were all fine afterwards and yeah. all back yeah. up on the rope. But there's just something about watching it live because you don't know what's going to happen. I would say when we went to the Shriner Circus, our seats were not great. You couldn't see the tightrope walkers. Yeah. Like, you could see their backs, but you couldn't really see the tightrope. <laughs> I think next time we get more centered seats. Yeah. But, like... I saw them wobble a little every now and again. <laughs> now, they had the one with the two pinwheel things, like the yeah. two hamster wheels where they would take that's that. The one that's I was waiting for somebody to fall off of that one. That's <laughs> actually the one that has the most accidents on it. I could imagine. Video. A lot of it is the thing falls apart and they fall off. And then yeah. a lot of them is they you know, don't catch their feet right and fall off of it and stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's just all a matter well, of I mean, putting they, your foot in the right spot at the right time. They have nets, though. Not on that Not one. On that one. They didn't have a net? Mm, that one's... Because it goes right to the ground anyway. I mean, they're only maybe two stories up, so it's not like it's going to be. But you can get launched. Yeah. <laughs> one of the videos on that YouTube fail. <laughs> it was a three-way one. Yeah. So there's someone on top already, and they're going, and then the second person gets on, and then as the third one comes around, it's going a little bit faster, and the person grabs a hold of it to get on the outside of it, and it, it just launches them outside of the fenced area. And he lands on like the recycle bins and stuff next to a building. Wow! <laughs> Hardcore parkour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're they're acrobats. They yeah. just they just kind of I mean, combat roll into it. Sure, you know. Oh, another thing we didn't talk about: quick change artists. That was yeah. amazing to me. I was like, whoa! Like I was yeah. in there trying to figure out how they had their costumes sewn together to change so quickly and yeah. things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's another really good family friendly. Kind of sideshow act. Yeah. 
Well, I guess that's now going to do it for this episode. <laughs> and we appreciate you guys for listening. If you want to go on again and rate us and review us on wherever you get your podcast from, you can follow us on social media at UNP Normalcy, or you can always email us at UNPNormalcy at gmail.com. We also would appreciate it if you have, if you find it in your heart to go to our Patreon and help out the show um, at patreon.com slash UNPNormalcy. And until next time, keep digging. <laughs>